Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are talking and checking out next-gen web application testing with Cypress IO. Should be pretty cool. Looking forward to it. So let's dive in. We've got a lot of panelists today with us, along with our guests. So let's say hi to everybody. Uh, we've got Alyssa with us. Alyssa, how's it going? Hey, glad to be here. Glad to have you. We've got Austin. Austin, what's going on? Hold on, I'm connecting. I'm waiting for the bar. Oh, hold on. All right. There's no uh, bonk. Bye. Like, I don't know how you were here before you dialed up, but you're here. So that's awesome. <laughs> All right. We got Jesse with us. Jesse, how's it going? Hey, this is Jesse Sanders. Hey, Austin, welcome to the uh, 21st century. Good to have you here. <laughs> yeah, that was my uh, CompuServe CD I, I was using. Uh, AOL is way better. Way better. And we got Matt with us. Matt, how's it going? Good, good. Uh, really happy to be here. We are happy to have you as a panelist. Uh, and then we've got Bonnie with us. Bonnie, what's going on? I'm so excited. We're going to have such a good show. We're going to have so much fun today. I feel it. And also, uh, I have the shirt for it. So, We're gonna Bonnie, it I, wa I want you to introduce our guest today. Can you do that? Uh, OK, so yeah, this was, can I tell the funny story? Uh, are you asking me or our guest? <laughs> well, it's your show. Yeah. OK, so it's a, it's a short, funny story. So what happened was uh, I met, uh, uh, I, so, so some of the meetup organizers and I trade guests sometimes, and I was introduced to Amir with the Cypress team. And I was super excited because everybody's been talking about Cypress, Austin and Jesse, and everybody's talking about how cool it is and great and everything. So I was like, oh, come on my show. And he said, yes. And so when I sent him the link to book, I accidentally sent him Justin's link to book Angular Air. And next thing you know, Justin has the, the uh, this guy from the Cypress team. And I was bummed, but really it's happy because uh, it's really great. So, so I'm a dork. You the wrong link. <laughs> I did, I did. But the thing is, so luckily Justin is also a big Cypress fan. So all was forgiven. So it was okay. so awesome. Cause all of a sudden I get this scheduled for an episode and I'm like, Yes, we're doing a Cypress episode. And then I started asking all the panelists, who, so who who hooked that one up? Because I didn't. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Because I'm a dork. You're welcome. <laughs> but it all worked out great because uh, we're all here. And so because I accidentally did this, I got to bring a couple of my NG Houston friends over with me. So I so I snagged Jesse and uh, and Matt Lou are not just NG Houston people, but they're actually friends. Um, so so it all worked out perfectly. And That's here we are. Yeah. And so the point is, we have Amir from the Cypress team, which is like so great because everybody's so excited about Cypress. And 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 he's going to tell us everything that's going on. And I'm actually, so just a little spoiler, because I, I talked to him here already. Not only is he going to tell us really great stuff about Cypress, but also cool stuff that's like they're getting even cooler and they're doing so much work on the Cypress team that the pipeline of the features that I'm just, I'm just going to shut up and let him tell you, because, but it's cool. Trust me. Oh, well, uh, thanks for the introduction. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm pretty excited to talk to you guys today. Thanks for having me. Yes, we're definitely happy that you're here. So uh, why don't we dive into the content uh, and start uh, learning about Cypress? Uh, sure. Uh, so let me go ahead and uh, share my screen. What is Cypress? <laughs> uh, it's a tree. It is, it is a tree. It is. Um, 
Uh, well, you know, before I, uh, I guess, dive into it, um, share my screen, um, uh, I guess I can, you know, I'll, before I share my screen, I'll just give a little background. So Cypress, uh, you know, first and foremost, is a free and open source uh, a tool for testing anything that runs in a browser. Um, it's been around for a few years now, um, and it's gaining a lot of momentum. And the goal of it is to just make end-to-end -end testing and just testing on the web easier for everyone. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why you know it's it's been growing in popularity um, because now uh, you know testing is becoming much more accessible and much more approachable to, to more people. Okay, so I'm gonna now do a little share my screen. Okay, let me just start this uh, presentation. Um, so, you know, you already know the topic and this is the least important slide, but um, but if anybody has any questions, um, feel free to email me or uh, DM me on Twitter. I'll be glad to help anyone. Okay, so let's, uh, before we kind of dive into, you know, what Cypress is, it's always good to step back and know the reasons behind something um, and, you know, the primary use case for Cypress currently is, you know, end-to-end -end testing for the web. Um, but when you mention end-to-end -end testing, you know, people have already, you know, these preconceived notions about it. Um, they say that, hey, you know, end-to-end -end testing. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, people, people have spent a lot of hours chasing flaky tests, or maybe, you know, the fact that it took so long to write end-to-end -end tests, uh, you know, increased the, the, um, the spending of the project, so it went over budget. Um, or, you know, the fact that it was difficult to write end-to-end -end tests, the project was slowed down. And so when you hear these things, people are kind of hesitant to uh, even approach end-to-end -to -end -to -end testing in the first place. Um, uh, one good way to kind of get a mental model of, you know, the world of testing is, is this uh, testing pyramid, which is kind of an abstraction to help us think about the different type of types of tests we write. Um, at the bottom, you know, we have these unit tests. Um, developers love to write these because they're very small. Um, they're very easy, easy to reason about, and um, and uh, and that's why we, we write a lot of them. Um, and at the very top of the pyramid, you know, we write a lot less unit tests. That's why they're that's why they're at the top, and that's because they're more difficult to write. They're costly. They can be slower, and that's why they sometimes get uh, ignored, or people just don't write them sometimes at all. Um, but the thing about end-to-end -end testing is that this is the best type of testing for the business and for the end user because it validates and verifies completely um, the experience of the end user. Um, and the, the one thing you don't want to do is have your end users be the first ones to actually test your application. You know, they could have a bad experience. They could, you know, go away and never come back, and that means you lose money. So this is the costliest route. It's just to, to not to not write end-to-end -end tests. Um, uh, before we get into Cypress and the nitty-gritty details, I would like to talk about, talk about like the historical um, uh, positioning of things. So you know, back you know in 2005 and 2004 era, you know we had these nice frameworks like Django and Rails come out, and they made building web web applications much more accessible to uh, to more people. That's why around this time frame, we got a lot of cool services and apps that came out, like you know Twitter being one of them, which was like a Ruby on Rails app, um, and so on. And then you know, one year later, we had jQuery, which kind of normalized all these problems across browsers and made writing JavaScript um, much more easier. And more people started writing JavaScript because of it. Um, but for the most part, jQuery was JavaScript to a lot of people. Um, and then now we kind of now near our time, 
And we know we've had wonderful frameworks like Angular, Vue, React come out, um, uh, you know, since since then. So this has been like the general progression of, of the web. Um, and the general change here it was that more complexity moved from the back end to the front end, you know, because you know what was it around 2007? We had the iPhone come out. Um, you know, browsers started getting much better. Internet speeds got much better. People's expectations uh, of what software should be and feel like. Uh, got better. Um, so people were demanding much more rich applications, um, much more fluid UIs. And that's why we have these nicer uh, frameworks for developing these nice user experiences. Um, and with that, we do a lot more on the client side. Um, so, you know, to kind of paint the this, uh, this shift is that, you know, a lot of the apps went from being stateless um, to being very stateful and like Google Docs being a very good example of that. Um, where there's just so much going on, on the client side, you have people collaborating on the same thing, um, and so on. So, and this is kind of how test automation world kind of maps into this to this his historical line. Um, you know, Selenium came out in uh, 2004, and that's it's a great tool, and uh, it's well, it's one of the tools that you know the industry has been using for a long time to, to do browser testing. Um, and yeah, you know things got you know improved around 2006, but and around 2004 we got um, we got Cypress, um, and you know it's important to iterate this uh, this point here is that you know it's very important to do real browser testing because your users use a real browser to test your app. So when the topic of DOM emulation and using using things like JSON come up, I have to say that these things these methods are not particularly sufficient if you're trying to have a high level of confidence in the functionality of your app. So you need to use a real browser to drive real user actions so you can validate the real experience of your users. Okay. And you know that's uh, these are some of the the reasons behind you know the birth of Cypress. Um, and you know it's it's all around a, a tool for testing anything that runs in a browser, and it's easy to get in, in started. You just do npm install Cypress. Um, that's all you need to do. There's no additional things you need to install, and once you do that, you get um, everything you need to get started. And underneath, it's using familiar uh, frameworks and tools like Mocha, Chai, and Sinon. Um, Mocha for the testing framework and. Uh, Try and sign on for assertions and stubbing and mocking and so on. Um, so if things are not uh, foreign. Amir, you, yeah, go ahead. Can you kind of explain uh, the concept of like what Selenium is doing and, and or what and then what Cypress is doing in terms of like what does it mean for us to test our end end stuff in like a browser? Like it's just the basic concept of, of what's going on there. Is it like is it running and and submitting forms or what's that? What's going on there? Um, yeah, so I mean, would you like some comparisons between Selenium and Cypress and how they work underneath, or? Just to explain for our viewers who may not know um, this idea of, of what it is, like we write a unit test, right, and we're like, we got a function and we want to send it some data and see what it comes back. Mm -hmm. We're talking end-to-end -end tests or testing in the browser, um, and you mentioned like JS DOM and things like that, like just the basic concept of what's going on. Is it yeah. our app and then trying to do some actions as if a user's doing it? Um, yes, yeah, so you, you've kind of hit it on, on, on the mark there. So, you know, let's say you're Amazon.com and you got this nice shopping cart system set up. How do you go about testing that, right? Um, how do you, how can you guarantee that when a user clicks add to cart, the product actually ends up into the cart? And then how can you validate that the user can fully go through your checkout process? 
And to do that, as a real user, you need to use a real browser. These are complex pieces of software. Um, and that's why you need to, to test against the exact um, client that your user is using. So we would drive browser actions, which replicate the same actions as the user um, using a tool like Cypress or Selenium. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the, the reasoning behind um, you know, using a real browser is just it all comes back to acting like your user and testing like your actual end user. Um, and we're just driving direct actions onto the browser. Awesome. Does, that, does that clarify things? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah, Amir, I have a question as well. Um, why why is it that that Cypress is better than Selenium in doing these types of tests? Oh yeah, you got you guys are getting ahead of me. Huh? Uh, um, if you're going to cover it later, that's fine. I just wanted yeah, yeah, to yeah. make sure we, that that doesn't get brushed over because I think it's it's the why Cypress is important and why I might choose Cypress over any other testing tool. Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely cover that. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I actually had some slides on this, but I but I removed them not to kind of detract from the, the topic, but I'm glad, glad you brought it up. And, and I can cover that right now, actually. So um, we can just dive right into it. So there are fundamentally, this, the architecture of Cypress is different from Selenium. So the way Selenium works is that you write your tests in any language you want. You know, it could be Python, JavaScript, so on. Um, and then uh, there is, you know the Selenium driver, which acts as a proxy between your tests and the and the browser. So your test will tell the Cypress, you know, driver, the this proxy, this middleman, what to do in the browser on the behalf of your tests. Um, and this can all since since these two things are separate systems, they can uh, this can lead to flakiness because uh, they can get out of sync from each other, and your tests. Um, and, and Selenium WebDriver, they don't always know exactly what's going on in the browser. They, they can't react to it quickly enough. They're always on the outside checking in. They, they can essentially just query the browser. They're not in the browser. They're not, they're not fully aware of what's going on in the browser at the point in time you need them to know. Um, and this is vastly different from the way Cypress works. Cypress uh, runs within your browser. It, it, it runs within the same run loop as your application. So it lives right alongside your application. So as events are, are happening inside uh, inside uh, you know the browser, um, Cypress can know immediately about them and it can react to them and it can take action accordingly. Um, so that's kind of like the fundamental architectural difference between Selenium and Cypress. Um, this isn't to say that Selenium is a is a bad tool or anything like that. Um, uh, that's not really the case. It's just that um, uh, Cypress's architecture. Um, I think lends itself to uh, to making testing of modern web applications significantly easier. So does that uh, does that help uh, kind of paint the picture? Yeah, yeah, ab absolutely. Thank you. Of course. Um, okay, and, and we'll and we'll touch up on those topics uh, as um as we get kind of towards the middle of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, in the previous slide, you know, we installed Cypress, everything's good, um, and now you're you're, uh, you got Cypress up and running, you bring it up, and this is how, how it looks like. Um, first and foremost, when you're developing with Cypress on your you know, day-to-day -day basis, um, it's this uh, GUI application, it's an Electron application, and, and, this, uh, and the GUI is going to show you all the tests you have um, within your project, and you can go ahead and click any of these uh, spec files 
and Cypress will bring up a, a, a Chrome browser and it will start writing those tests um, that you've written. Um, so I have a little video here, but it, it's fine. I actually would like to just show you the thing, um, in, you know, live. Um, so let's uh, let's go ahead here. Um, we have this uh, Cypress uh, kitchen sink uh, project, which kind of demonstrates the various uh, functions uh, and commands uh, Cypress offers. Let me zoom that up for you. So I already have like this. Uh, this this is a completely empty uh, uh, npm project. Just make a make a folder, do npm in it. That's it. And then just install Cypress as we talked about. And then all you have to do is just bring up Cypress. The first time you run Cypress, uh, we will automatically populate your project with some example spec files um, to kind of help you get started and uh, and kind of learn things. Um, but uh, this is all you have to do to start Cypress, which is just run the the open command. So let's uh, let's hit enter there so we can bring it up. Okay. All right. So as I said, this is how it looks like. We got a nice GUI with all the, the spec files in our project. And we can actually go to our editor here. Let me bring that over. And this is the kitchen sink. So when you run Cypress for the first time, we're automatically going to create this uh, Cypress folder in your project. Um, we kind of bootstrap it with uh, you know, the, the default directory structure. Um, but your tests are going to be in this integration folder. And these are the sample uh, test files we populate automatically. And so let's click on this one. And this is the action spec. This, uh, this is just, um, and we'll, we'll run this live. But this is testing um, uh, you know, the, the type command that Cypress offers, the focus command. And, and we'll see that in a sec. Uh, let, me, let me zoom that up for you guys a bit here. OK. So, And here's the action spec test right here. Let's just uh, bring that up and run it. So a, a full version of Chrome is going to pop up right here. And we're going to load your application on the right-hand side. And on the left-hand side and kind of all around, this is the Cypress uh, UI. Um, on the left-hand side, this is what we call the command log. It shows every single test that's running against your application. And then it's going to show you if they passed or failed and give you more information about it. So this whole this whole spec file passed. Um, and uh, but you know, it, we give a lot more information here. So you can go ahead and click on any of these tests. Um, and you can hover over each command Cypress executed to learn exactly what happened. So for example, we want to test the type command. The type command is so you can type things into input boxes. Um, so the first thing we have to do is we have to first visit our application. So we use the Cypress visit command. And it just tells you the exact you know, URL it's going to visit. Great, that's done. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to get at this input box. Um, so for example, we're going to get this email input box right here. And then uh, we're just going to type this, uh, this the email address in there. And so over here, you know, for example, we're typing fake at email.com. Um, the cool thing is I can actually see the before and after state of this command taking place. So what Cypress does is for each command, it's going to take a DOM snapshot. In this way, you can actually kind of like uh, historically travel through the test itself by just kind of scrubbing against uh, all these commands right here. So we can see, okay, it typed fake at email.com here. Then it's going to make an assertion um, that the thing that we typed into this input box 
actually got typed in there and now that text exists um, exists there. Um, I like yeah, about is that, um, you know, it's tough when we write tests, right? And we have to like debug the steps in the test and trying to figure out, um, did I set this input right? Did I do this stuff? And it seems like with this and with the before and after, it's a, it's a, such a useful tool to be able to go, okay, now I can really dial in my test and understand what's going on without having to go through the whole process of mentally walking through it. Exactly. Yeah. Like we, the whole point of this is so that you kind of have this one window where you're kind of solving problems and figuring what, what truly happened and you don't have to, um, you know, go all over the place uh, investigating. We kind of just wanted to show you, oh, something failed or something passed and and know all the details about it. Um, so, yeah. Um, so over here, you know, we, we kind of went over, you know, that this is the command log and these are the various commands that are being executed. Um, you, but one cool thing over here is you can actually, uh, you know, pin, um, pin the command so you can maintain that the, this that state of the DOM at this point in time in the test. Um, so it's good for introspection and things like that. Um, and we also have this thing called the selector playground. And it's, it's this little crosshair icon here. You can select that and you can actually just hover over um, any element in your app and it will kind of tell you the, the selector for it. So this is helpful when you're trying to like, you know, figure out what the exact selector for something is. Um, in your app, so you can like you know copy paste that in into your code to kind of um, help you um, select the, the element you want to make an assertion against. Um, yeah, so this is a this is a pretty uh, simple spec file. You know, um, you know these are pretty simple commands. You know, click, uh, uh, scrolling, selecting, and things like that. Um, so, but this kind of gives you the, a the the little gist of the the UI of of Cypress. Um, and you know, if you're getting started with Cypress, I highly suggest you kind of just browse through these various spec files um, because they literally show you what every single uh, command in the Cypress API um, does and how it can be used um, in your tests. Yeah, it's uh, a, a really nice interactive IDE for doing stuff. Is there? Do you know if any like Selenium or any of the other tools do they offer anything like this? Because I, I don't think I've ever seen anything. Uh, such a nice interactive IDE to be able to do this. Um, I haven't seen like uh, anything widely used. I think I've seen like some, you know, custom like, you know, side project type type implementations here and there, but uh, I can't really recall anything that's uh, that's in wide use. Yeah, my, and my understanding is with Selenium, because of the the way that it works, I cannot open up the, the uh, dev tools or anything like that that would allow me to actually interact with the uh, the testing. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. So um, I actually had a slide for this, but I'm glad you brought it up so we can kind of demonstrate that here. Um, so, you know, tests are running, everyone's happy, everything's going great. Um, and so we'll just let that test pass and I'll just stop this test right here. You know, you can click something here and uh, let me just bring up, uh, you know, oops, not that. I'll just do that. Let me show a few different. Okay, so like as you're selecting these commands, we're actually outputting information about that test um, or that command into your console.log. Um, so you can kind of know more information about it. Um, you know, oh, here's, here's the actual, uh, you know, elements that, you know, this, this command applies to and so on. Um, if you click an assertion, it'll tell you, um, you know, what the assertion was made against, the information just about the assertion itself. 
This is nice. But remember, what did I just do here? I just brought up DevTools um, while I'm testing. And my application is also right here. So I can do, I can use DevTools the same way I use DevTools when I'm just playing with my application normally. So I can do all my debugging here as well. Um, so this allows for an elevated level of debugging while you're testing uh, in your, you know, in your local workflow. Um, this is, you know, it's DevTools. You get everything you, you want. Um, so, so I, yeah, I know that I've personally used this as an excuse to not write end-to-end -end tests at times. Right, the the pain of not being able to do something like this. So for me, I look at this and, and see this solution and go, okay, well now I'm out of excuses because now I have this utility that's going to allow me to do this stuff that's really painful, which is almost like debugging your end-to-end -end test, right? Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, this is it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. And this is also one of the benefits of, um, you know, of the test runner existing alongside your application, right? Because you can leverage all the benefits people are used to of a normal browser. Um, it's all right here. Um, it's all familiar. So um, I think it's another aspect that people, people enjoy a lot. So I noticed okay. that, yeah. uh, like the language. It, so it, are we writing like behavior-driven type of syntax here, the same way we've maybe done it with other end-to-end -end tests, or is it like test-driven type of syntax in terms of saying like, do we say, I expect this to happen, or are we saying, if I open the order form and I click on this, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's it's kind of like, I guess we can look at uh, an example uh, right here. So, um, so you know, we uh, we inputted this email into this uh, input box, and then I'm saying, should have value, you know, fake at email.com. So this is kind of the, the language that's, that's, uh, that's used. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of like, it, you're just kind of uh, typing out your expectations of, of what's going on. And it's all about explaining declaratively the actions your users have taken in your application. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. And and we'll get to why that is the case. Why you know it's kind of declarative, um, and it also has to do something with the architecture of Cypress. Um, okay. So let's see. I think uh, I actually have more to show. So let's just do that. Um, um, yeah. So I'm gonna end this. So this was our this was our kitchen sink uh, uh, little project, kind of help people get started. But we also have this to do MVC app, and and I uh, apologize ahead of time that this is the React version of that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm going to bring up the to do MVC app. So if you're not familiar with Todo MVC, it's just like a, a sample to-do list application that's used as like an example project for various you know things um, to kind of compare frameworks or things like that. Um, so yeah, so this is and I just brought up uh, the, the Cypress test for that application, but notice I'm getting a warning here, and Cypress saying, "Hey, we couldn't verify that your application is running," um, and it, Cypress would be correct because I, I have not started my application server. Um, but the reason I did this was to point out that, uh, you know, kind of like our philosophy with, um, with what Cypress or how Cypress kind of operates is we always want to be helpful to the user. We always want to have these helpful messages 
um, helping the developer know what went wrong, what is the problem. Because imagine if I, if we didn't have this warning message here and you're like clicking your test and you're trying to run your test and like it's not working, you know? Um, so we, we, we like to kind of be proactive about helping the user. So I'm gonna go here and I'm going to- I have, hold on, Amir, I have to jump in and say that we love you guys because <laughs> I just, it's it, even the warning, the error page, <clears throat> it's like this yellow is so, calming like don't worry it's fine and whoever wrote these error messages they're just so zen you know it's like it's like everything you're in a safe place here with the warning pages and the error messages so i just have to say thank you oh of course uh yeah our, our test runner team does a, does a fantastic job with this stuff and they're actually working hard on uh vastly improving how we communicate and present error messages. So be on the lookout for that for upcoming releases. I, I would I would like to put in a feature request for more emojis. More emojis. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're a fan too, so <laughs> I'm sure you'll start seeing those somehow. Well, tell them we love them. For sure, for sure. Um, okay, so let me go ahead and uh, run this uh, little to-do MVC uh, test right here. So, you know, this is our to-do MVC app on the right-hand side. We're just adding uh, to-dos, um, you know, marking them complete, editing them, clearing them, you know, all this stuff, all the different permutations that, you know, application of this nature would need to be uh, uh, tested against. Um, so, yeah, so this is like a, you know, a real-world type of application. Um, and it has some more advanced tests. Um, we'll just, you know, let let things run and as it's running we can still play around with the ui which is nice um so you know one of the things that uh, you have to do um you know when when you bring up this to-do list application is we want our cursor to be focused on this input box right so once the user comes in to this we can just start typing in to-do items and to do that we can just use the typers focus command um so if we actually go to our test for this let me, uh, let me bring that up. Integrations, there we go, right here. This is the very first test we, uh, there we go, it's actually this one. This test right here, just a one-liner. Um, so how do we go about doing this? If you wanna test that uh, the input, this input box is focused uh, upon entering the app. Well, we just use the Cypress focus command and this will give us the actual element that's currently focused in the DOM. And then we can go ahead and make an assertion against it. Um, one of the things I would like to point out about the Cypress API is that it's, it's, uh, it's very English-like. It's very, um, you can almost assume the commands you can use and, um, and users really enjoy this. Um, so, and there's literally a command for every possible thing you can, you can imagine. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, we grab the, oops. Grab the item that's focused, and then we can make an assertion on it. And notice that that's a JavaScript file. Is there TypeScript support? Uh, yes. Yeah, so you know, we do we do ship Cypress with types. So um, uh, I haven't seen anybody like do .ts files for for it. But for example, you know, if I'm if I'm doing like if I type out the same thing, and then I do should, you know, I'm going to get auto completion here. Um, from the types. Uh, yeah. I heard that the source code for Cypress was was CoffeeScript. <laughs> uh, you've been looking. Um, yes. Uh, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Austin has this really unexplainable hatred for CoffeeScript, and 
Honestly, I think it's a perfectly valid thing to use. So we just throw that out there as some support for you. Nemesis, so they have to pick on each other. Yeah, don't don't let Austin rattle you. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Um, so uh, coffee script, um, you know, Cypress, uh, you know, Brian Mann, the original creator of Cypress, um, the founder of the company, uh, you know, this, this started back in like 2014, you know, TypeScript wasn't a thing. Um, and, you know, it was the days of coffee script. And so at the time, you know, it was a great, great choice. I just do have to correct you there for the record. TypeScript was a thing. In well, I, I don't think it was as popular as you think it was at the time. Let's see. Uh, TypeScript. All right. So. 2012. 2012. 2012. 2012. Yeah. So it was still a new. It was still a new baby at that. Point. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it was its infancy. That's when, like, the initial prototypes were being rolled out. Um, um, yeah. So it was in CoffeeScript. Um, but we're actually moving away from that, and we're fully, um, you know, embracing TypeScript. You know, we, we're using it not just in the test runner and our open source product, but we're also using it in our backend as, as, as well. Um, and uh, I've personally been enjoying enjoying it a lot. It's uh, I find it really helpful, and I'm finding myself needing to write uh, less unit tests because the types give me a, a lot more confidence, um, and that's really attractive to you know a testing company and someone that cares about software quality. Um, okay, so this was like a quick quick little test, um, but this is a, a full on full on application um, and. You know, everything I'm showing you here, we have dedicated repos on GitHub for all this stuff. Um, so you can just look up Cypress example to do MVC and you'll get the whole repo for this and you can go through all the tests yourself and play around with it, um, uh, you know, and, and kind of use it as, a, as some learning material. Um, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, I have slides that kind of dive deeper into some of this stuff, so I'll, I'll get back back to that, and, and we'll have some reasons to come back to the live demo. Okay. Uh, yeah, you saw that. Okay, so one of the things um, that you kind of saw was that the tests run really fast, and they can almost run as fast as your application, because as I said before, Cypress runs within the same run loop as your application, and it can react to everything that's going on in the browser um, just as fast. So it, you're going to get a, a lot faster test run times. And, um, and these were kind of like some of the visuals I, I, I created for describing the architecture. And this is, again, to iterate that Cypress uh, runs um, in the same in the browser, the same browser as your application, same run loop as your application. And the benefit of that is that you have native access to the DOM of your app. Um, to the DOM and your app, I should say, um, which means you can programmatic, programmatically mutate your app and do things in your app. And this is something that's not really possible in, in, other, in other frameworks. So one example of that is, you know, uh, you know almost every program uh, requires authentication. That usually means uh, driving a login UI. You got to type in the username, you got to type in the password, and you got to click login and then see if it worked, right? Um, and you need to do this for a lot of different views of your app, right? You need to authenticate the user to do something. Um, but do you really need to test the UI? Do you need to drive the UI to bring up the authentication state every single time? Uh, I mean, 
that's a waste of time, right? Because you just did it in one test. Why would you, why do you need to repeat it over and over and over again? So what you can do is just have one test that tests your, you know, let's say your login UI here, um, you know, types in the username, password, clicks login, and then boom, now you've tested it, you're done. From that point on, you can programmatically mutate the state of your app because you have direct native access to your application's code um, to authenticate the user programmatically. Then once you do that, you don't need to keep testing the, the UI of your login. And this is going to save you a lot of time. And you can abstract it all away in one little pretty function. And, um, and, and this is going to be a productivity boost overall. Um, another thing that Cypress enables is um, this concept that we like to call component testing. Um, my colleague, uh, Gleb Bomtov, which I think some of you know, um, you know, he's taken the time to write a, a, a lot of these uh, 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 framework-specific uh, component testing libraries. Um, I've, uh, the React one is, uh, has, has some recent improvements, um, but we have them for Angular and all other frameworks. I've uh, personally worked on the Vue one, and we can kind of dive into that for a sec. You have to give so, Gleb a big hug for us, because we know him and oh, we yeah, like him yeah. a lot. <laughs> Definitely. Tell him we said yeah, hi. He's awesome. We'll do for sure. And I'm sure he's listening. So <laughs> hi, Gleb. We love uh, you. There you go. Hi, Gleb. Um, so anyways, um, this is uh, this is the link, I believe, to uh, to the to the view one in this case. Um, uh, but you know, they're available for every single application. Um, and you can kind of you know uh, search for um, in this case it would be Angular, Cypress Angular unit test. And you can um, give give that give that a try and give us feedback because this is something where we're uh, interested to kind of moving into the core of Cypress. Um, but before I get ahead of myself, I would like to kind of dive in and talk about what component testing is and, uh, and what it's what, what it allows you to do. Um, oops. So with component testing, you know, usually when you're uh, testing your application in Cypress, you're kind of loading your entire app into the browser, right? But with component testing is well, what if you could just, you know, mount only a particular component, a specific component to the browser DOM? Not your whole application, just that particular DOM that you're interested, uh, component that you're interested in, and then you can run Cypress tests directly against just that component. Um, and this is awesome because it's kind of like unit testing at the component level, but you're doing it on in a real browser. So one example of that, um, you know, for example, uh, and this works similarly in all in all frameworks. You know, up top, you know, the the Cypress, you know, Framework X unit test library is going to give you this mount function, and then you're just going to import in your uh, your component, and then you're going to use that mount function to mount your component, and this mount function will mount the component you specified right into the browser DOM, and then that's it. You're done. Now your component exists in the browser, and you can just go about your day as as you have been writing normal Cypress tests against it. Um, so, yeah. Amir, uh, if I can make a question, um, this is super cool. I, I didn't know about this uh, unit test part of Cypress, these plugins that you, you're showing. But what if your component has dependencies, or you need to mock some data as input for them? Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I guess it kind of depends on uh, how how the, the the component is you know architected. It's written. Um, but you can still use the same mocking capabilities that Cypress provides you. You know, you can kind of now just see the whole window as your as your component. Um, and um, 
And so, and, and you can also pass in like the, you know, your normal props and things to your component as well uh, with this, just this particular example isn't showing, showing it all right now. Um, but if you look in the readme for your particular frameworks uh, unit test library, you will see some examples where I can say like my component, then pass in all the, um, the props for it and things like that. So you can kind of, you know, prepare your component before it, it's available to be tested. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And and these uh, these uh, component testing libraries, you know, these are currently unofficial libraries. Um, uh, you know, that's why they're not under the the Cypress um, flag currently. Um, but the way we like to do things is kind of experiment outside, and then if things are validated by our users, people seem to love them. People seem to be using them. And we start thinking about how do we move this stuff into the core, um, and this is this is one of those things. So in the future, you know, potentially we can imagine that we we provide a, you know a, a, a side dot mount function, and then um, that's it. And then you can pass in your component, you know, my component, um, you know, and and it could be uh, maybe for any framework, and then we just magically handle it. Like, what if that's a possibility? Um, so it's things like that we, we, we think about. Okay. Wow, that's really super cool. That that just recently hit, right? I think we talked a couple of weeks ago, and that still was not available. The, the side on mount? Um, that whole unit testing aspect. Yeah, I mean, this this has been kind of out, uh, you know, for, for maybe a little over a year. Um, it, and yeah, it's, it's still it's in it's in, in its infancy. Um, uh, the ones that I've seen that I have really uh, uh, been used um, are the React and the Vue ones. Um, so I'm hoping me uh, being on this podcast, the Angular community will kind of notice this and um, and give these a try. Because if you guys do, we would love to collaborate with you and kind of improve things for the Angular framework when it comes to component testing. Um, so um, yeah. Uh, so are you able to write these component tests, um, this code, and, and position that like next to our components? Because um, I started thinking about something like uh, with Angular Playground, right, which is used to work on components in isolation and, and take this the same sort of concept, but allow us as developers to, to build those components. Um, mm -hmm. And it's nice to have like the things that do that next to that component. So say we move it component, we get rid of it and delete it later. Um, we can delete all the tests and everything along with it. Um, is that because I know earlier you showed when you start up Cypress project and you get a separate directory for the integration or for the end to end test, right? Do these get mm -hmm. to, are they able to live next to our components in this scenario? Um, I, I can't imagine that. Um, I guess uh, I would have to kind of see uh, a proof of concept. Um, but, uh, you know, the Cypress tests have to live in the Cypress directory that you've specified. It's configurable. Um, but I don't imagine seeing the the tests alongside the code for for the component. But that is an interesting take. You know, I, I think uh, you know it's kind of like a similar concept in Vue where they have component files and they just put everything for that component relevant to that component in one file, um, which I think is a great great concept. Um, but currently, uh, you know, that's not something uh, that I I see it being able to to see that we can implement it easily. Um, so yeah. Okay, so yeah, so if you guys have any more questions about this stuff, please please reach out to us because uh, we really want to improve this.
How um, much does it cost? Okay. What what call it, what the unit testing libraries? No, Cypress. Oh, well, you just have to send a big fat check to Amira Stanza there. Um, no, Cypress <laughs> is a the Cypress is a Cypress and Test Runner is uh, absolutely free. It's open source and it's MIT licensed. Um, so and it's something we so can, with that whole npm install bit, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's important, and, and you know, no, but this is a valid question. You know, we, you know, sometimes people get confused um, because they come to our site and they see this pricing, uh, pricing link here, and they think Cypress costs money. Um, no, Cypress the test runner will always be free, and um, and we're trying to do a better job of communicating um, the difference between the Cypress test runner, um, which is a completely different product than from our Cypress dashboard service. Um, which also has like a free generous plan and we're planning on improving that too. Um, but you can always install Cypress, use it free forever. You're all good. MIT license. Yeah. Like we're, we're big fans of open source and that's, that's, we, we, we see ourselves as custodians of, of this, uh, of this project. So the answer to that question is no, it's free. <laughs> Um, so the other topic that's really big with Cypress is um, is uh, automatic weighting. So a lot of the times, you know, if you're used with other other frameworks, you typically would have to, you know, put in weights and sleep um, sleep second, you know, sleep commands like, oh hey, wait the ten seconds or five seconds or whatever, and then and then you can make another assertion on the DOM. Um, with Cypress, you don't you don't do that. So if you look at like the code base here, there's no like timeouts, there's no sleeping, there's no you know that kind of stuff. Because what Cypress does is that it will automatically wait, it will retry your assertion over and over again until you know the the state in the DOM that you're expecting um, comes to life essentially, and then you can make that assertion. It does that by default. It it, it does that by in, um, in for four seconds. Um, that's configurable, um, but you don't have to do anything. You don't have to tell it um, to wait for something to take place. It automatically does out of the box. Um, and this is great because it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. Um, and we've, we found that four seconds is kind of like a sweet spot time frame. But as I said, it's, it's configurable. Um, so man, let's see if I can demonstrate that. Is that per test? Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? And is that configurable per test? So um, yes, I believe. I think you can do it um, for each, uh, each each command. Yeah, and and you can also do it globally too um, in your Cypress JSON config file. Um, okay, so let's see, let's see. Um, yeah, I already got so I already got my uh, app spec running here for to do MVC app. Um, so we had this, you know, this little test right here, and maybe I'll just do an only tag on that. So we only run this guy. Great. So we're running this test. Everything passes. Great. So let's now go ahead and break it. Um, and we can do that by going right here. Okay. So it's the, this is this input box is supposed to autofocus by default. Well, let's make that not the case. So you, you can see here, Cypress is, is like automatically waiting. It's like, hey, hey, I'm waiting for the input box to be focused, and I'll run it again, and it's in this blue state. It's waiting. Four seconds passes, 
And then it's like, hey, I waited long enough. The input box never got focused. The, your assertion has failed. Um, and this is how things look like when you know when an, an assertion fails. And you can see like we're providing you very readable messages, and we write a lot of these by hand, and we're working on vastly improving this too. Um, but we're not ever going to show you like gibberish in this box here when things things go wrong. We always want to easily uh, you know communicate the error to the user in a way that's consumable. Is that um, the time up there at the top? The four point three nine. Yeah, this is, yes, this is, the, this is the full time frame. So this is like with us visiting uh, the app and then you know running uh, the focus command and things like that. So like three point five seconds for you know needs to get started and visit the site, and then the remaining four seconds is like the time frame we waited um, to uh, to make sure for this assertion to um, to be validated. So. And so that's how uh, automatic waiting uh, works. And as I said, it's configurable. So, you know, and if I go put this to true now, we run it again, and the world is back to normal. Okay. And so, you, uh, you know, with Cypress and, you know, with any good testing framework, you need to have really nice, easy to use stubbing, mocking, and, and spying. Um, so let's kind of take a take a look at that. And you know, one of the common use cases for stubbing and mocking and so on is uh, stubbing out API endpoints, right? Um, and to do that, it's it's very simple. So first we go first we go ahead and um, you know start our mock server um, by using the CY uh, server command, and then we describe the route we want to um, we want to um, you know, play with essentially. Um, and over here, we're actually not doing mocking. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but actually, so but stepping back. Um, uh, before we go into stubbing and mocking, I want to talk about the concept of aliases. Um, so we can go ahead and alias uh, API route um, like so. So we can say cy.route. Whenever there's a get request to our to do's endpoint, um, you know, detect that, and we're going to alias that route and that request as to dos. You can give it any name, so it can be as Bob, as something else, right? And then we can say, okay, now let's go visit our app. So we're going to use cy.visit, and that's the root of our application. So great, now we're at our app, and then we're going to do cypress.wait, and then we're going to say, hey, wait on the to dos request to be done. So when our app first loads, it's going to probably automatically make a request to the to-dos endpoint to grab all the to-dos, let's say, for our to-do application, right? Um, well, we don't have to be like, OK, now I'm on my app, and now I'm going to do c dot dot wait uh, you know, 10 seconds, and hopefully the request had completed within that 10-second 10 10 second time for it. You don't have to do that, do, do that thinking. All you got to do is just tell Cypress to wait for this to-dos endpoint to be done. And once it's done, you're all good. You can continue and start making assertions on your application now that that request is completed and has mutated the state of your app and so on. Okay, so Amir, the one thing that's not clear here with the, the route that you are um, aliasing, what does get to do's actually return here? Yeah, so uh, well, in this case, I'm not, I'm not demonstrating that. Um, uh, but when we get to mocking and stubbing, we'll uh, we'll see. But in this case, um, I'm only aliasing this route. I'm not stubbing or mocking or anything. I'm just saying, hey, uh, we're going to alias this route um, under this name 
so then I can refer to it throughout my test. Oh, so that's actually still going to allow it then to hit the backend server. Exactly, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So it's just kind of like, you know, naming, naming your, uh, your requests so you can wait on, wait on them easily. Um, and so that, that was my bad. I got ahead of myself there. Um, but now if we... Um, uh, yeah, starting to hoop to uh, again. Uh, I'm assuming this wait uh, has some kind of timeout or something. Uh, there is any way to conf configure a different timeout if you have like a long running uh, request or something like this? Yeah, I forgot the default timeout for these months. Uh, I have to look it up. Um, but yeah, for everything, there's there's like default saying timeouts. Um, and uh, we can look at our docs uh, shortly to kind of confirm that. But yeah. Um, it's not going to wait forever to to make sure this happens, right? Um, okay, so let's look at the the next thing. So, um, you know, this is just the same example, uh, but now we're doing a you know a post request. Um, so you, you know, just demonstrating that you can uh, uh, you know configure the route based on the request method. And when we're doing a post against to-dos, instead of a get, we can name that a new item, a new to-do item, and then we can use that alias again to make assertions on it. And we can say, okay, hey, the request body should contain these things, a title, which is you know, the to-do item, uh, and then you know, the state of that to-do. What about um, GraphQL? How does this uh, yeah, so work with GraphQL? GraphQL I mean, yeah, so there we currently have. Um, I don't have an example here, um, but we there is. Um, if you go to our, let's see, um, let's go to our docs. If we go to the plugin section, and I suggest everyone kind of like check out the, our plugin section. There's a lot of cool stuff being done by our community. And you type in GraphQL, and there we go. Cypress GraphQL mock, and this is done uh, by Tim Gersier. Uh, um, he's another one of our engineers here. Um, he's an awesome guy, um, and uh, he's like a GraphQL aficionado. So um, and he's created this library to make uh, um, mocking GraphQL endpoints simpler. Um, and so you can kind of see you you still use the CY server command, and you can use my mock GraphQL uh, command here to uh, mock out the schema that you want. And that then, is beautiful. So, yeah, it's awesome. And then you know. Um, yeah, if you're using GraphQL, I suggest looking into this because uh, it's awesome. GraphQL is the future. Yes, <laughs> and we're starting to use that in our backend as well. So you heard. You know, it. there was like a year ago, I was talking to Austin, and I was like, "Hey, Austin, GraphQL is really cool." And you know what he said? What's GraphQL? I don't know what you're talking about. Not, I, I was like, "Yes, say, you did." The first time I told you GraphQL, you were like, "What are you talking about?" No, I did not say <laughs> what is GraphQL. I did not say that. <laughs> I have been tracking it from the beginning. And Somebody's I was blushing. <laughs> I was like, hey, Austin, we should use GraphQL. And he was like, nah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was skeptical, as everyone should be. As you caution. always are. For but, it's, but, I'm, <laughs> but I'm really happy that you're on board with the GraphQL train now. But I, I agree with you. GraphQL is awesome. So, But I, I couldn't pass up an opportunity to give you a hard time. I just want you Sorry, to know, even even like going out to eat with Austin is like this. You know, it's not just, <laughs> <laughs> it's not just frameworks or code or you know tech things. So just really think. When did when did we go out to eat, Alyssa? Oh, I mean, I've been with you in many of a hotel. I've seen 
I've seen your pickiness. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so mocking. Would you like to show us some mocking? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, another thing you want to do is like stub and mock. Um, so this is an example of a stubbing a response. So over here, we're stubbing this get to do's uh, route to return an empty array. Um, so like, what do you, what does your application do um, when there's, there are no to do items, right? That's a, that's a state you would like to test. So that's just the third argument here. You just pass in whatever the response should be. Um, and that's it. That's how you would, uh, you know, stub the response for this route. And then any time that gets called, then that's what's going to happen in our app. So if, if it gets called like three times during this test run. Yes, exactly. Unless you go and update the um, update the stub. Yeah. OK, um, I, I just need to pause on that really quick because well, you got one line in there, right? To, to Well, two lines. I guess you're doing the server and then the route, right? But man, that is so easy or, or so clean. To, I mean, I just think of the pain it's been to try and handle mocking out you know you, especially these api calls or these back-end mm -hmm. calls in end-to-end -end testing and squeeze in our mock data or our scenarios just to have that test run especially when you start thinking about my app may make three different calls and for this test i need to kind of have all three of them blocked even though i'm testing one spot of my app right um exactly so how easy is it for me to get in there and control that stuff and this just seems pretty straightforward and yeah you would just take those three requests declare you know uci you're out to um you know alias them stub them whatever and then you can just wait on them how you will it's all it all it's all kind of handled underneath the complexity of that and as you said it's really simple just two lines here i've fully stubbed an api route um, and i can start playing with it now what sold me the first time when i started this up was the spying so when I like make a, let's say I'm not stubbing, but when I, my components like running and it's making requests, being able to know when that request came back to, for uh, Cypress to reevaluate was like the money. Um, that is like one of the most difficult things when doing mocking of like real world apps is like, how long do I wait for my server response? And you'll see like tests that run that take like 30 minutes to run because they have to wait like a minute to make sure their request came back on time. After I saw that, I was like sold on the spot. I was like, where do I put the money? Exactly. Um, no, you've hit it on the mark there. And, and that's why Cypress is a great tool for doing API testing in itself. So um, even if you're not like testing your entire whole, your whole UI with it. If you just want to test your API, it's also a great tool because it just, the API for it is so simple and, and usable. Um, okay, so and uh, another way we can um, do this type of stubbing is we can use fixtures, right? We don't always want to type the whole data response right here in our tests. Um, we can, um, what we can actually do is we have this uh, fixture directory um, and you can configure this. In your uh, in your project directory, you just both fixtures, and you can have like here's this example JSON over here filled up. And so, if I wanna if I wanna if I wanna have this uh, route respond with the data of that fixture, I would just do fixture colon example, fixture colon my to dos, fixture colon whatever. So it's like a nice little way of referring to the fixtures you have configured in your project. 
Yeah, to me, this is this is the real money right here because the 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 challenge in testing applications is not not just the the simple use case, but all the edge cases. And how do I find a product that has a quantity less than ten? And so. I, I feel like the frailty of of like selenium based tests is that I didn't have a way to to really do that well, and so what I'd have to do is go create a new product, set its quantity to less than ten, and then go locate it and then be able to test it. Where now I could use fixtures to be able to say, hey, I can load that 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 product in exactly the way that I want it, and and then be able to see how that interacts with the UI. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of one of the things that I think differentiates Cypress from other also great frameworks. And it's one of the things that attracted me to it personally, even before I worked at Cypress, um, was just the overall user experience, like the developer experience. It's kind of like all those, as you said, all those little tiny edge cases, all those little wrinkles and cracks um, that developers need to deal with when they're doing stuff like this. It's kind of already been thought through um, in a thorough manner. And, and as, as you're using Cypress and learning more and using it more, uh, you kind of start uh, seeing them all and start kind of appreciating um, appreciating it because it's really solved like all your problems, not just one of your problems. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's all good. This is a quick preview of the stubbing and mocking and so on. But, you know, all of this, it kind of re results into another uh, nice thing that, uh, Cypress provides, which is, you know, you're going to have flake free tests. They're going to be much more consistent. They're going to be much more reliable. Now you could potentially have flakes, but that could just be like, uh, you know, writing tests wrong or some other things in your system. Like if you're not mocking your backend and there's something wrong with your backend, um, that could lead to flakiness, but that doesn't mean the tool is the cause of the flakiness, which could be the case with other, other frameworks. Um, and one of the ways that we kind of um, ensure consistent deterministic execution of tests is that, you know, your Cypress tests, as, as I mentioned before, are a bit declarative. So when you're saying, you know, first go ahead and grab or get this to-do list um, uh, element and then make this assertion on it. Well, Cypress is going to do exactly what you said in your code in the order you, you, you mentioned them. So before it runs, uh, your executes your test, it's going to look through your code and then it's going to essentially queue up all these commands. And then when it's running the test, it's going to do everything you said in the actual order that you've written them. It's not gonna go and jump around and be all async about it. No, it's going to deterministically execute every command you've stated. And this is how we go about ensuring um, uh, flake freeness, deterministic uh, you know, execution of tests. And uh, we've already kind of touched upon debuggability. You know, we got DevTools right there. We can just pop it up, and that, that's nice. Um, and so we're kind of expanding on what the architecture of Cypress is. Um, you know, I've, I only told you half the story. So Cypress in and itself, you know, runs, the test runner runs in, in the same browser as your app in the same execution loop as your app. But it also has, like, this node backend because it is a desktop app. Um, and then it can communicate with that um, node backend um, that's running on your desktop. And there are some benefits to that. There's some use cases for that. Uh, one of those things is, um, is exposed via the Cypress uh, execute command. And this is great for writing arbitrary kind of system level uh, commands. Um, you know, it, you could have like a little bash script or something, 
that's going to clear your database, seed your database, maybe you run some other scripts, kill start processes, whatever you need to do to facilitate the execution, the startup, and the close down of your tests. Um, so for example, let's say I'm using, uh, I have a Ruby backend, um, and you know, you, you know, to do that, you know, I'm using Rake to, uh, um, you know, seed my database, manage my database, um, and I can just run this, uh, you know, this command line command here by just using Cypress execute, uh, run whatever command I need to write, and I can even make execution, uh, I can even make assertions on that as well. I can ensure that this command executed uh, properly with code zero. And then I can go ahead and continue, uh, you know, doing whatever I was doing in my tests. So this is a nice way to run arbitrary commands at the system level, um, because you know a lot of times you gotta prepare the external world for what is about for for what your test needs to do. And this would run well with CIs too, right? Exactly. I mean, this, you you would almost definitely need to do this. I mean, if you're you know, trying to, uh, you know, seed your database at least, um, you know, if you're not mocking your backends, you need the database to have some data, right? So um, uh, this is great, great, great use case for that. What I like about um, this is that it, yeah. Cypress is providing all the tooling to do all these steps that I need to do, right? Like the ability exactly. to this interface to do those things uh, rather than okay, well, I'm not. I need to hand roll the the database seeding part into my end end testing. How do I do that? And and what code do I write that in? This this is nice that it all has that ability here. Yeah, there's there's like a solution in every step of the process, um, which is awesome. Um, so this was the execute command, and this allows you to run just whatever script, right? Um, but you know, if you're in JavaScript world, you probably do a lot of things. JavaScripty way, um, and uh, so we have another another command uh, called cy.task, and this is similar to execute, um, but this allows you to run just JavaScript, but on on your system in the Node backend. So this is outside of the browser. Um, this is not running in the browser at all. Um, so, for example, you know I can declare. Um, uh, this defaults DB task, and we can go ahead and see what that is. So this defaults DB task is just seeding my database, um, you know, using some some JavaScript I have I have written. But this is executing JavaScript on the system, not in the browser. So that's the kind of the benefit of of uh, the task command. Um, and so you know, if you if you like writing JavaScript instead of like arbitrary bash scripts or anything like that, or I you know, don't want to do npm run or something like that. This is a great way to do that. Okay, so so far we've just talked about like oh the the development side of things like your everyday workflow. You know we saw Cypress uh, open uh, command and we saw the Cypress GUI come up and that's what you're going to be using in your day to day development. You can have it side by side with your editor and it's a great uh, workflow if you you know if you use test driven development. And I, as I'm updating my tests. And I'm saving my file. Uh, you know, Cypress detects that, and it will automatically rerun the test. It's like live, live reloading. Um, so this is all in the realm of Cypress open command. But then there's a whole other side to Cypress, which is how do you run Cypress headlessly? How do you run it in CI, right? Um, and that's that's where Cypress run command comes into place, and that's what you use to, you know, run Cypress headlessly. And if you're running all your tests, this is the more efficient way of running all your tests. 
you can run your tests uh, you know, with the GUI, but it's not as efficient as writing it using the Cypress run command. And the other benefit of uh, using Cypress run command is you can uh, record uh, your test to the dashboard, and we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit and see some of the benefits there. So let's go and take, take a look. So um, you know, Cypress, Cypress test runner in itself is a standalone product, and you know, uh, everyone can use it. And the Cypress dashboard, um, actually, I have one open right here, ready to go. Cypress dashboard is, you know, it, it, it complements the test runner, and it's valuable and helpful when you're running things in CI. Um, because when you're running in CI, you don't have a visual version of the browser, right? You can't see what went wrong. Um, but when you're recording to the dashboard, and you're, you, you get to see, you get better introspection in your CI runs. Um, so, you know, we have the Cypress example recipes project, um, which I recommend everyone kind of uh, check out. And I'm going to actually point that out here, use this as an opportunity. So, if you're, um, you know, if you're new to Cypress um, or if you're just, you know, curious about learning more, you have the Cypress example recipes repo. Um, and again, Gleb coming to the rescue. Um, he has uh, spent uh, a lot of time. Uh, putting together these uh, useful recipes um, and uh, along with code and everything like that kind of help everyone um, out with you know particular use cases here so if you're looking at you know um, uh, you know how do I do like single sign-on which is a co common question how do I handle uh, login in general and things like that uh, this, is a, this is a good uh, destination for that and this is just uh, that project running in CI and us getting the details in the dashboard. Um, but before I uh, dive into the dashboard or anything like that, um, let me actually just demonstrate like how you would use it in the first place. So we have our to-do MVC app. There we go. It's this version. Okay. So I'm going to close this out. Um, actually, and is the is the dashboard the paid offering? Yeah, so that dashboard is paid, but it's actually free to free. There's like a free plan that you can use um, for uh, for public projects. So if you have open source projects and public public projects, go ahead and and yeah, go ahead and use it. Um, yeah. Bring this up. Okay. Record key, yeah. Okay, so every every project kind of gets a, a lower record key, and that's how we associate um, this particular project, um, uh, you know, in, in the dashboard with with what you got going on here. So now I copy pasted that, and then I'm going to to, to run that whole test suite um, locally. But you would do this in CI, right? So if you were running Cypress in CI, um, you would pass in this record flag, which means, hey, record to the dashboard, and you would pass in your key. And it's going to start running uh, your test. And I'm only running that one test, right? Um, but now that I did that, I can see that running in CI right here. And um, and that's it. And so the cool part here is, is that you know I, I can see everything that happened, this, the normal standard output that you're used to seeing in CI. But I can also see a full video run of the test itself. 
So this is only a quick one one test. So it, you know it runs pretty fast. Um, but imagine if I was uh, you know if I go back here and I take out this only penetrate that way. Starting to run, and then I can I can see this uh, this live running right here. Um. So yeah, uh, actually, it's probably gonna take longer than I expected. So, anyways, that's kind of like a, a quick gist about the dashboard. Um. So that and output, so, yeah yeah go ahead. Sorry that that output that you had in there in like the command line area. Um, if we ran Cypress in our own CI, would mm -hmm. would we get that output? So we still have that portion of it. Yes yes. So you would get the full standard output of the test run. Um, you can even get screenshots. Um, you you can use the Cypress screenshot command to take screenshots, or we automatically take a screenshot when things fail. Um, so that so that's also nice, and then you get a full video recording. So you, you get all this like uh, the video run uh, locally as well. So this has created this uh, this MP4 file here for us, and I can just play that, and you get to see everything that that happened. Um, and again, this is great in CI because you don't get to see anything in CI. But you can imagine like okay, if something went wrong in CI. Um, and you need to maybe inform the designer, like, hey, this, uh, the, you know, this, this button is wrong, this form is wrong, something is wrong. You can just link them out to, to the video right here. They can come in here and they can see what's wrong. They can go ahead and fix it. And, um, and that's how we can kind of resolve things quickly. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, it's like an example of a failed test. This, this ran like about a year ago. This is how things will look like uh, you know, if something went wrong. Uh, this is how errors are shown, and it's kind of a nice visual way of looking at things that went that went wrong. Um, it's a little better than looking at standard output, and we also associate the errors with the screenshot. And there you go. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, so you know the the da dashboard in itself, uh, you know, it, is it gives you better introspection to what's going on in, in your CI, uh, better point of collaboration. And so on, and it kind of just makes resolving issues, you know, easier. Um, but there's a transparent feature of this, and that's um, and that's parallelization. And we can kind of dive into that because I think that's something a lot of people can benefit from. And it's also the um, it's one of the first uh, features I, I worked on here at Cypress. So you know, tests take a long time, especially running UI tests, um, and we all wanted to make that not be the case. So we the dashboard provides paral parallelism feature, and uh, let's just dive in on how that works. So let's say you know you want to test your fancy new app, and you want to dedicate three machines to testing that app. So in your CI, three machines are going to get brought up. The first machine, whoever is the first one that's that's going to be brought up, they could all be coming up at the same time simultaneously, right? Um, but the first machine is going to contact Cypress, and it's going to say, hey, I'm ready, ready for work. And then Cypress is going to say, OK, you're ready for work. Um, what project are you working on? You know? And it's going to be like, oh, I'm working on my to-do MVC app. Here are all the spec files I have to run. 
And then Cypher is going to say, okay, great. Um, let me let me take a look at that. And it's going to say, okay, um, based on previous test runs, I can optimize uh, how this how this whole test run should be should be ran. Um, and then we're going to run some uh, you know estimation and forecasting algorithms in the background. And then we're going to return the the most optimal spec file to run first. So in this case, this first machine is going to get the login test file, and the second machine is going to get the sign up test, and the third machine is going to get the widget test. In the background, we've optimized what is the most efficient order of, of these tests, um, so we can you know make sure the test uh, uh, runtime is minimized. Once that's done, um, uh, yeah. So let's just go. Uh, okay. So the the important secret sauce here is the actual load balancing and figuring out which test to run first or second. Um, so as you're using the dashboard, you know the the dashboard is gathering data about your tests and Based off that, we get this historical view of, of, of the performance of your test. In this way, we can use that data um, to determine, okay, we estimate that this particular spec file is going to take this, this amount of time. And based off that, maybe the, lo the, the longest running test should run first, so let's optimize that. So the first machine is going to get the longest running spec file. So we can get started on it first, we can you know, uh, um, finish that part out faster. And then we do this estimation and this load balancing algorithm for every single spec file you have in your project. We do this on the fly every single time your test needs to run. And so let's see the real world effects of that. So this is like a snippet of, of view of the dashboard. Um, it, you know, we have three sections here. The top one is the test running on one machine. The second one is test running on two machines and the test running on four machines. On the first case, uh, you know, the tests are taking about, you know, minutes, one to do one seconds of the Then once we have second mean time half and we run four machines, then it gets halved again, right? Um, but this is like a little, this is, our, this is upon our example kitchen sink project, which I showed earlier. But what are the effects on a real world application? Well, the real world application that we know about is our Cypress dashboard. It's a big React application. What are the effects of that? So more, before parallelization, we uh, were running tests um, on one machine, and that took about 23 minutes. Once we added uh, parallelization and we spun up six machines, now we we're just running under four minutes. That's like 83% improvement in time, which is which is great. And now we've actually recently, ex you know, increased that that count from six to like 19 or something like that. So the tests just run super fast. Um, and some uh, tips I have for people that are interested in parallelization, just kind of like some guidelines that allows people to utilize it. And I see this a lot uh, when I'm out talking to, to our users, is that I see that people write all their tests in one file. Um, they put everything in just in one file. And since parallelization works at the file level, it's best to break up your tests into you know, category-specific files. And this way, we can break things up, run them on multiple machines. And then another thing I see people doing, which is an anti-pattern, and, 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 I, and I advise people against this, is that your tests shouldn't depend on each other. Um, they should be able to be ran and executed and, and passed successfully in isolation of each other. Um, and overall, this allows you to you know, save a lot of time and money, and that's wonderful. Everybody loves that. Um, are we good on time? We, we've gone over, <laughs> but that's, yeah, yeah. that's OK. Yeah, I don't want to go over. Um, so overall, I, you know, we're at the end, end of it now. So um, kind of just some uh, thoughts 
um, to leave you all with, you know, Cyprus is, is famous for its docs. It's one of the reasons why people love us and use us. So I highly recommend you checking out our docs. It's got way more than you, you ever want to know. Um, and we're very opinionated people. So you, you will learn a, a lot there. Um, and uh, we have a best practices section. So I suggest people checking that out. And we also have a roadmap. Um, you know, we get a lot of questions about what's in the future. Check that out. It's also in the docs. And I can already tell you cross-browser support is, is in the works. Um, we're also working on test retries to kind of get rid of these uh, false negatives in CI runs. So if you, anybody has any questions about that, they can reach out to me. And uh, overall, uh, again, we've got tutorials. Um, and I'll make these slides available to, uh, to the audience uh, after, the, after the show. Um, and we have this uh, testing workshop. Um, which people can use to go learn about Cypress. It's all on GitHub and it's all open source. Um, and, uh, and overall, uh, I hope you see that, you know, we are people that are trying to vastly improve the status quo of testing on the web and, um, and we're just getting started. So overall, thank you so much. Sorry for going over, um, but I hope that was helpful to everyone. Yeah, that, that was awesome. And, and that was really cool. Sure nobody minds that it was a little bit longer time because we all enjoyed the material for sure, for sure. All right, well, let's uh, let's get to some picks, and then we'll call it good. Let's see. Let me go back to stop presenting here. Okay. Um, so I'll go down the list here. Well, Austin, do you have any picks? No, he's shaking his head. No verbal confirmation, but visual. Okay. Bonnie, I think you have a pick, right? I do have a pick, and um, actually, so I'm I'm really excited about one of Matt's picks, so I'm going to let him go into that. But actually, I'm going to let Jesse explain my pick because I haven't finished reading it yet, um, but so far I really like it. And so I would recommend that you check this out, especially if you're an entrepreneur. Uh, Jesse, you wanna say, cause Jesse's already read the book and I'm still reading the book. So sorry to put you on the spot, Jesse, but. Yeah, wow. Um, so it's actually based off of uh, another book called Scaling Up uh, by Fern Harnish. Um, it's often used for uh, accelerator groups. Um, I actually do some volunteering with a group called um, EO, Entrepreneur Organization, and they have accelerator groups. But the three Hagway is actually a way of trying to digest all this and put together a plan on how you might run your business. And you can look at Brebug as uh, uh, an example of a, a business that is like taking off lately. So yeah, so that's my pick. And Bonnie, what was the name of that book? Three Hagway by Shannon Burns Cisco. All right, cool, cool. All right, Matt, do you have a pick? Yes, uh, matter of fact, I have two. Uh, the first one is the RxX Decision Tree. It's super cool. You, uh, you can actually answer some questions. It, it's going to tell you which operators you should use, because sometimes it's really cumbersome to figure out which operator is the best for what you're trying to achieve, right? So and is I really call it the choose your own adventure feature. Did you guys ever read choose your own adventure books back in the eighties? I love oh, it. Yeah. And that that feature, it, so that's they took it off for a little while because it was on the original RxJS website, and then they made a new website, and that was gone. And I was so worried, but they brought it back, and it's really, really, really a good feature if you're learning RxJS, um, or even if you know it. Yeah, it's just I love it. Sorry, Matt. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a cool tip. Uh, about this is that if you open your phone, you can actually save as a PWA, and then you have your decision tree on the palm of your hand whenever you need. Super cool. That's so. Uh, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah, uh, the second pick is Runkit. Is actually an online editor that you can play with NPM packages. It has, you can choose your version of Node and play around with uh, when you're trying to parse some data or doing some quick scratches. It's super interesting. Uh, you can access through Runkit website, or if you go to NPM packages, you can actually open the Runkit with the package loaded and play around with Moment or any library that you're trying to figure out how it works. That's all. And quick shout out, you guys. Matt is going to be uh, with me on stage at NG Vikings, and that will be his like big uh, debut. So we're excited about that. Nice. Congrats. Very, very excited. And I, and I also second run kit. Uh, it's very nice. All right. And Amir, our guest, how about your picks? Other than endorsement, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, kind of uh, last minute, but. Um, uh, I would say mine is not technical, but I'm one of those uh, weirdo minimalist type people. So uh, I recommend uh, Merino wool clothing. If you're uh, if you're interested in uh, high quality clothing. Um, yeah, overall it's like uh, antimicrobial, better temperature control, uh, you know, more rugged. Um, so Merino wool. Awesome. That's the greatest and nerdiest pick I've ever heard, and I love it. Love it. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. All right. First off, big uh, thank you to our, uh, I guess it'd be guest panelists that joined us today, Matt and Jesse. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you very, very much. For sure. It was great. I'm glad that you could make it and help us with our content. And then thanks to our guest, Amir, for taking his time, sharing this content with us. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. And don't forget to yeah. thank the team that writes the error messages for Cyprus again. Oh, we'll we'll do, we'll do. And give Gleb a big <laughs> hug for us. I will have to fly to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks again. Thank really and uh, thank you. that's a wrap. Have a good one. We'll see you next episode later. Bye, everyone. Have a good one. Bye, everybody.